Today our text of scripture is going to be found in Paul's second epistle to the Corinthian church. But before we turn to that passage, by way of opening remarks, I want to say this. Freedom is said to be the birthright of every human being, regardless of who that person might be, regardless of where that person might have come from. Freedom is a person's inalienable birthright. In fact, God, when he created us, fashioned us for freedom. Therefore, people have the right to be free. And just as a point of fact, I want to share this with you. I don't know if you've ever realized, but wherever you find freedom, you will always find a people of faith, a people of biblical faith. Although it is absolutely true that all people have the right to be free, it is also equally true that you will not find freedom except where you find the Spirit of the Lord. Wherever you find freedom, there you will find the Spirit of the Lord. Whether free people in this country or around the world realize it or not, whether free people in this country or around the world acknowledge it or not, they enjoy freedoms because of men and women of faith. The Bible is the Magna Carta of the believer. Its truths, its doctrines have snapped our spiritual shackles. For the Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord there is freedom. I wanted to start with that point of fact because I think it's important for people in this country and in free nations around the world to be reminded that it is because of the influence of Christianity that they enjoy the freedoms that they often take for granted. But the freedom that the text we're going to look at today speaks of is infinitely greater than the freedom that we might enjoy in a free country as ours, the religious liberties that we enjoy, the civil liberties that we enjoy are great and we are to be thankful and grateful for those liberties. But there is a greater liberty that comes only through a personal relationship to Jesus that is far greater and far exceeds any civil or religious liberty or freedom that we have in this country. And I'll say this, there is a freedom that only Christians experience and enjoy. Even in a country, a free country like ours, there is, there is a freedom that only believers, only Christians enjoy. The fact of the matter is that the truly free man is the man whom the truth has set 
free. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, Then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And later on in John 8, 36, he said, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Listen, he who has grace in his heart is the person who truly is free. He has the right on his side, and he has God within. The truth of the matter is that because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, the believer is a prince. He is a blood-bought saint, an heir of heaven. He is a noble according to Scripture, and he has the true patent of nobility for the child of God is the child of the king, and he belongs to the king. He is God, one of God's elect, distinguished, a chosen child. A true believer, one who has come into a personal relationship with Jesus, would prefer to walk in the burning furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He would prefer to be cast into the lion's den along with Daniel than to yield this point of principle that you are a free man. For the scripture says again, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom in the fullest in the highest and in the widest sense. And I do pray that you may be led to have the Spirit of the Lord. For without Him, listen to me, my friend, for without the Spirit of the Lord in a free country such as ours, you are still a slave. You are still in spiritual bondage. The passage of Scripture I want to look at today is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. In this single text, we find a very profound truth that if we were to do it any justice, we would be preaching a series of sermons on this text alone. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. This is what the text says says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We know that the Lord will add His blessing to the reading of His precious Word. This text speaks of spiritual freedom. And let me say this to Christians that it is only because of the grace of God that we have experienced and now possess and enjoy that spiritual freedom. For it wasn't that long ago, my fellow Christian, that both you and I were in bondage and slaves to sin. For it was only yesterday 
that we were slaves of the devil and led captives by his will. Oh, I remember we used to talk about free will. We used to boast about the fact that we thought we were able to do whatever we pleased. But the truth of the matter is that we have found out that that free will is truly in bondage and in slavery to sin. And that the freedom that we thought we had was nothing more than a fake pretend liberty or freedom. We truly were not free, but in bondage. We were slaves to lusts and to passions, slaves to sin. But now, my beloved, we are freed from sin. We are delivered from our tyrant. For a stronger one than he has defeated him and has granted us freedom by virtue of our personal relationship with him. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time today looking at what it is exactly that this freedom consists of. And I want you to take notes, if you can, and pay close attention because what we will learn today should, if you're paying attention and you're allowing the Spirit of the Lord to truly speak to you, it should change your life forever if you have never entered into a relationship with Christ. And if you are a believer, it should further deepen your relationship to Him and cause you to even develop a greater passion to live for Him and to further the cause of His kingdom. So first of all, as we look at what this freedom consists of, first of all, we are free from the bondage. We are free from the bondage of sin. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 34, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now when you think of slavery and bondage in the world, you will come to understand that there is none more horrible than the bondage of sin. Surely, think of the Israelites in Egypt making bricks with straw, or even consider in our own history slavery in this country early on. Anybody who may have experienced that but was yet a believer in the Lord will himself or herself testify to the fact that as horrific as that might have been, they would agree that the bondage of sin is far worse than those. It is a burden too heavy for the soul to bear. A burden that will sink a soul even in the depths of everlasting torment. What a wretched man I am, who shall deliver me, said Paul once. I want to read you something that I came across as I was preparing this message. And I want you to pay attention to what it is that this convert says. 
Because if I say nothing else today and you listen to what I'm going to read here as I quote this convert, you would have to agree that that in and of itself is a sermon. And I would have to say nothing else today in order to communicate a profound truth, a reality in the life of every single Christian. Listen to the, what this convert once said. There is no sin upon my conscience now. There is no crime upon my breast. I need not walk through the earth fearful of every shadow and afraid of every man I meet. For sin is washed away. My spirit is no more guilty. It is pure. It is holy. There no longer rests the frown of God upon me, but my Father smiles. I see his eyes. They are glancing love. I hear his voice. It is full of sweetness. Listen to what this convert says, my fellow Christian. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. And again he says, I am forgiven. And then he says, All hail, thou breaker of fetters, glorious Jesus. Are you listening to me, Christian? All oh, that moment when first the bondage passed away, I, methinks, I recollect it now. I saw Jesus on his cross before me. I thought on him, and as I mused upon his death and sufferings, I saw him cast a look on me. And when he gazed on me, I looked at him and said, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. And I flew to him. And I looked at him. And when, I let, and when he let me go again, I wondered where my burden was. It was gone. There in a sepulcher it lay. I felt light as air, like a winged self. I could fly over mountains of trouble and despair. And oh, what liberty and joy I had. I could leap with ecstasy, for I had much forgiven. And now I was freed from sin. If you can say amen to that, you can say amen to that statement that convert made. Because by the grace of God, you have been set free from the bondage of sin. Secondly, you have also been set free from the penalty of sin. What is the penalty of sin? Well, according to Paul, it's eternal death. It is torment forever. That is the sad penalty of sin. Most people fail to consider the tremendous cost of rejecting a loving Savior who left glory to come into this world in order to pay for the penalty of their sin. Jesus said, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son.
Listen to me. Listen to me very closely. There is a penalty for sin, and the Bible calls it hell. Yes, you heard me right, hell. There is a hell. And in spite of the fact that most or a lot of people reject the notion of there being a hell doesn't mean that hell ceases to exist. Eternal damnation in a burning lake whose waves are fire and whose billows are ever blazing brimstone is, my friend, a real place. But let me tell you something. It is not fire and brimstone that makes hell hell. Let me tell you what it is that makes hell hell. Hell is a state of being which never a, a person never ceases to experience. It is a state of hopelessness that a person never ceases to experience. Hell is knowing that the utter chaos and torment and darkness and suffering will never diminish or end. Hell is hearing the screams of all who are there, including your own, and knowing that that screeching, screaming will never cease or diminish or end. Hell, my friend, is living among hideous creatures we call demons who are there to torment your soul forever. And there never being a time where it diminishes or ends. Hell is knowing where those who love Jesus are and knowing that you will never have that. Hell, listen my friends, hell, what makes hell, hell is a place which is totally and wholly and completely devoid of God. And just because you choose to believe that there is no hell doesn't mean that there is no hell and that those who reject Jesus will not go there. This passage of scriptures talk speaks of the fact that those who have trusted Christ have been set free from the penalty of sin. As one hymn says, the moment a sinner believes and trusts in his crucified God, his pardon at once he receives, salvation in full through his blood. Glory be to God. For you, follower of the Lord Jesus, there is no hell. For you have been justified and you cannot be condemned. Jesus, listen to me, Jesus suffered the penalty of your sin. He took your place on that cross. He died in your stead, and God would be unjust to punish you again, for Christ has suffered once and satisfied justice forever. For you, believer, there is no hell. 
you have been set free from the penalty of sin. Number three, we are freed from the guilt of sin. Some might even argue that this is the wonder of wonders. The Christian, do you know this? The Christian is positively not guilty any longer the moment he believes. Let me illustrate this point. In this country, the President of the United States has the power to pardon a murderer. And the law cannot touch that individual, for he has been pardoned by the head of state. But even though a person may receive a thousand pardons, and the law cannot touch him, that person is still guilty of that crime. He is still regarded a murderer. No such thing for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment a saint, a person believes in the Lord Jesus and becomes a saint, from that moment on, that person is no longer guilty of that sin. For Christ took the sin and the guilt and crucified it to that cross. A Christian is not only delivered from the bondage and from the penalty of sin, but he is positively absolved from the guilt of sin. And you should stand amazed at this wonderful truth. Now you might ask, is a Christian no longer a sinner in God's sight? I say this, he is a sinner, but only as considered in himself. But in the person of Christ, if you are a Christian and you are found in Christ, you are no longer a sinner, for you have been washed by the blood of Christ, and the Lamb has made you whiter than snow. Fourthly, you have also been set free from the fear of the law. Listen, when you came to faith in Christ, you were freed from the fear of the law. And for the first time in your life, you can actually now obey the law. You did what you did before you came to Christ out of fear for the consequence that might be yours. You went to church because you think that if you didn't go to church, some misfortune might come your way. You did a good deed for somebody else because you felt that if you didn't do it, then you would also reap what you sowed. As a Christian, I have been set free from having to do something because I think I have to, to being able to do something because I want to. I have been finally set free to do what the law says because I have been set free from the fear of what the law might do to me if I don't obey it. And finally, I want to say this, we have also been set free from the fear of death. Listen, what is death? Let me tell you what death is. It is a low porch. It is a low porch which you stoop to enter heaven. And you know what life is? It is a narrow screen that separates you from glory, and death kindly removes it. Glory to God 
we have been set free. Father, we are grateful for your mercy and your grace, for your incredible love, for what you have done for us through Christ. We give you all the praise, all the glory, in the precious name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.